I, I do get to uh, to talk about Second Samuel today, and um, you know, uh, Josh and I were kind of wrestling over who would get to do this one because this is, I mean, you, you know, we always say this is the best book in the Bible, you know, uh, but this is really it's a great book, it's a fantastic book, it's about it's about the hero of of uh, of early Judaism. Uh, that our faith is, is, has come out of, and it's just a fantastic story, uh, and I get to do it. Uh, the, the, the negative on it was, as Josh and I were talking about the message today, is that here we are on Father's Day, and David is probably the worst father in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he didn't have the fathering thing down very well. Uh, but the irony of it is, is that God... God himself made a statement about David. And the statement was, is that David is a man after my own heart. You know, being a godly father is is vital. It's very, very vital. But you know what? Being a worshiper is, is more important. I mean, and you know, it's not an either or. It's, it's both and. You can do both at the same time. Uh, but, but what I want you to know is that David, even though he, he made some huge mistakes, I am just so grateful that all of my stuff is not listed in the Bible. Um, what I am grateful for is that through David's story, God is telling me some things about myself. And what God is telling me is that no matter how much I mess up, I can make it, that God is on my side. And that is the story of, 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 of the book of, of 2 Samuel. Before I get into the message this morning, I do want to mention something. I heard it from a couple people asked me this morning about it, you know, about, you know, yes, you know, they say, is kid care closing down? No. <laughs> kid care is not closing down. The store that supports kid care is closing down. Um, for most of, for some of you been around for a while, a number of years ago, when we faced the economic downturn happened, and we had to get creative, and God dropped it in our minds to start a thrift store, and so we started this thrift store, which has supported thousands of kids and has has put hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, millions of dollars, um, and on 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 the field to taking care of of our orphans, our orphanages, and our food bank here. And so it's not closing down. We just have to get creative. For those of you that are interested in kid care, in a couple of weeks, we will have a meeting to say, what is the next step of kid care? Just honestly, I, we should be doing it now, but we don't have the time and the energy to do it. Closing the store down is a real pain in the neck. Uh, it is a lot of work. And, um, you know, there's, there's a couple of people that have really poured their hearts into this because they believe in the, the message of kid care. Obviously, uh, my wife is, is one of them. She has worked herself to death in the store and has and just, just fed millions of kids, um, you know, millions of meals to kids. Um, and Gary and Sylvie Sconyers, I mean, you know, it would, it would not be possible to have done what we've done in the past few years with the store without Gary and Sylvia. And so when you see them, I would just encourage you to say, hey, you guys, you know, thanks for making it possible for this mission of our church to go on this way. You know, let, let them know that you appreciate it. And uh, we just, um, 
We're going to have to let God be creative and create something new. I don't know what it's going to be. Um, uh, I, I know that, I'm just going to say it this way, you know, that the, the whole management team is just really exhausted right now. They have poured them, their, their physical beings into making it happen. And it's just time for a different season. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the idea that, you know, Sarah was the source of the promise, but the Bible says that Sarah died. Sometimes the source of the promise dies, and you have to go on with, with the rest. So what is the rest of it? I don't know. Let's get creative and allow God to work through us. Uh, Samuel, Second Samuel. Wow, what a, what a book. And because it's about King David. It's about the rise of this little shepherd kid that, you know, out in the fields, out living out in nature, he, he learned to... Pay attention to that still, small voice of God inside of him. He learned to, to, to grasp the things of God. And he, he learned to do something that, oh, I am so envious of him for it. He, he learned to take his emotions and his thoughts and his feelings and, and to put them into words, to put them into songs that would direct his whole life and that would, would change not just his life, but I'm going to be honest with you. He changed every person's life in Christendom. Um, David was this, this young man with a, with a heart for God. And that doesn't mean that he was perfect, that he never sinned, because unfortunately this book of... Uh, of Second Samuel exposes his, his horrific sins. But what was most important is he kept his heart faced towards God. He kept his heart faced towards God. When David fell, when David stumbled, he stumbled forward. He didn't sit down and say, oh, I'm a failure, I just can't do it, that's it, I'm, I'm done, I quit, I quit, I quit. He dealt with it. He picked himself, dusted himself off, and said, God's still God. I'm still not, and I'm going to trust in him. Can you, if you've been in the faith for a while, now I know that none of you here ever have any problems, right? You never have any failures, right? But you know people who do, so this will be a message for them. But, but can you imagine, I don't know about you, can you imagine trying to live the Christian life without the book of Psalms? Have you ever been in that place where you felt like everybody was against you and that you were all alone and facing difficulties and, and, and it was just like, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, you come across something like this, hasten, O oh God, to, to save me. O oh Lord, come quickly and help me. May those who seek my life be put to shame and confusion. May all those who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. And may those who say to me, ha ha, ha ha, turn back because of their shame. But may all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And may those who love you, love your salvation, always say, let God be exalted. See, I need this. I need this. I require 
this kind of writings in the Bible to keep me going and to give me the gas to face it through some difficult times. Can, can you imagine trying to, to live through some of the difficulties in life w- without something like, without something that would, w- would deal with, uh, oh, let's say, save me, oh God, uh, for, the, for, the water, um, for the waters have come up to, uh, to my neck. Uh, I sink in the mire of the depths where there is no foothold. I have come into deep Oh, can you imagine trying to navigate life without that kind of a understanding of a man of God, a man after God's own heart, to say, I've had it tough too. But you see, David was always pouring out his heart, they're going to kill me, God, they're after me. I mean, there's, there's also the beautiful Psalms of, man, things are great, and God is good, and life is wonderful, and, and the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. God's always there to take care of me. But no matter what it was, no matter if it was good or if it was bad, David always did something at the end of his Psalms when he was crying out for help. He said, but God's going to be faithful. God is going to come through. I have seen God come through in so many ways in my life. I have seen God be so faithful. I have seen the God of the impossible do the possible. And that requires me to be able to say, God, thank you. But sometimes my, my, my words, they fall so short. And I have to go to somebody else and say, I need to read your words because, well, if, if I had the time, I would have written this psalm. Uh, but I need to read David's words because they express what I'm talking about. Can you imagine trying to, to look at the mountains and to, to look at, at, at the ocean, to, to look at rivers, to look at trees, to look in the face of your baby and not have psalms to, to put some words to what you're feeling on the inside. And so when the Bible says that, that David was a, was a heart, and when God himself says David is a man after my own heart. It's something that we need to really focus on and say, and, and how do I get as close to that as I can possibly be? How can I, how can I come close when I'm feeling betrayed, when I'm, when I'm feeling run over, when I'm, when I'm feeling bullied and depressed? How can, I, how can I maintain it when I'm elated, when everything is going my way? Realizing that the best thing that I can do is, is to do what David did. When he instructs us on how to get into the presence of God and how to live in the presence of God, of, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and its courts with praise. I will say this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and I'm going to be glad today. Because if it's good or if it's bad, I'm still going to be thankful to God. I'm going to do something a little later on. It's going to be a little bit of a, of a different way that we usually do our church service. But I, 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 it kind of had a little bit of a glitch earlier. But, um, but, but the idea of David when he says, who can ascend the holy hill of God? Only who has... You know, cleans hand and, and a pure heart. 
And so David is going to tell us how to get into God's presence. There's a little video I'm going to show you, and it's, uh, it, we'll talk, I'll talk about it a little bit later on the, in the detail. But, but all of these things are written. We see that the, the character of David and his flaws, but we also look at the heart of David in his Psalms. And he says, oh, if you really want to know God, look at his handiwork. Look at the mountains. that he, They're strong. You serve a strong God. Look at the fragileness of, 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 of the flower, that God is going to protect it. It's going to show the, the glory of God. And so Psalms is something that, that, you know, the Bible says these things are written so that you may believe. Psalms is written. God had David write down Psalms so that you can believe when you're going through tough times and hard times, when you're going through times that you just want to quit, you feel like everybody's against you. That's written so you can believe that God's going to be on your side and he's going to pull you through. If you stay faithful to God, he's going to be there with you and he's going to be there for you. And if you stay with God, you're going to win in the end. That life is not easy. That life is full of difficulties and problems. But we serve a God who is always faithful. And that is the ultimate message of David and and what he writes in Psalms. Is that God is faithful. And when we enter his gates with thanksgiving, whether things are good or bad, when we enter his courts with praise... As you'll see in a couple of minutes on the video, when you enter his courts with praise and with an abandonment of God, I'm going to serve you no matter what, that God is going to be there for you and God is going to be there with you. And folks, things are going to be okay. I guess that's the ultimate message of the book of Psalms, is that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay if you stay true to God. If you're ascending that hill, if you're getting out of the, the molly grubs of life and you're moving on up the hill to the presence of God and, and to the dwelling of God. Now, when David is called the, the you know, saying he has this, this, this heart after God's own heart, to understand why God would say that about David we have to understand that, that, that characteristics of, of who David was. Yes, he was an incredible leader, a lousy father, uh, a worshiper of God, a writer of incredible literature, a verbiage that, oh man, do I envy him of his ability to express himself in that way. But he was a man that had all of these things in a, in a jar of clay. And yes, he failed. But why does God still say? I mean, he committed adultery to cover it up. He murders one of his generals. Now, that's not the most popular thing to do. Uh, but... God still says, and and why would God say that about somebody like David? 
So looking at these characteristics of, of, of King David, of David the psalmist, of David the man with a heart like God's heart. First of all, David had absolute faith in God. It was the faith that when he was young, he nurtured that faith. It was a seed that was placed inside of him, but David nurtured that faith. David did something that we all need to do, and moms and dads, dads especially on today, encourage your kids to do this, to always thank God when something good happens. God did that. You know that, don't you? We know it without preaching at them, but, but, but David would, would, would build a monument to God's faithfulness. You know, when David is, 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 is a young shepherd boy living out in God's creation and he's communicating with God and he is, he's seen God's creation and he's, he's thanking God for his creation. Not worshiping creation. We are not pantheist. We do not worship creation. We worship the creator. But boy, do we love creation. Be fascinated with God's creation. You've heard me say it before, but you need to look at those mountains and say, good mountain, God. Good mountain. You need to look at the ocean. And I, you know, this past week I had to go, I had to, I got to go over to Pacific Palisades and we did a, a pickup in this beautiful mansion up on the Palisades overlooking the Pacific Ocean. I don't know if the people that live there did it, but I'm out on their patio looking at good ocean, God. Good job. Wow. I I can see the handiwork of God in his creation. I don't see God, but there's there's something about looking at his creation. You go, oh, wow. Going out in the stars at nighttime and looking up and realizing, I don't know where that ends out there, but I do know the guy that made it. He's a good friend of mine. And so, so God's creation, while we don't worship it, and while David didn't worship it, he understood that he could understand things about God's faithfulness to us by looking at creation. That God is a sturdy rock. He's a strong rock. I can, put my, I can bet my life on him. And so David, when he is... As a little child, as he is experiencing God and has this heart for God, even as a young child, he's realizing that, man, God delivered me from a bear. I killed a bear that was trying to, to, to kill my sheep. I killed a lion that was trying to kill my sheep. And so when it comes time for him to stand before another immovable mountain of, of Goliath, he looks back at these monuments that he built his whole life and saying, God is faithful. God will provide a way. He looks back at that and says, wait a minute, King Saul. You don't understand. The guy may be a giant, but God has delivered me from a lion. He's delivered me from a bear. This is no big deal. I couldn't kill a lion. I couldn't kill a bear. I can't kill Goliath. But my God, who is faithful, he's going to be there with me, and he's going to help me through this. So I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it out in style. And so David had absolute faith in God. And that's the reason he must always be, be thanking God for his faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. 
God is faithful to those who are always there to serve him. And David says, God delivered me. So when he's writing these other psalms, he knows that God's going to deliver him. Yeah, there's scoundrels. Yeah, there's people that's trying to kill him. But, but, but David's going to put his trust in God. That's why God said, he's got a, he has a heart after mine. The second thing is that David absolutely loved God's law. Oh, but the law is bad. The law is legalism. Oh, David saw it as a reflection of a perfect God. And, and, and David says that the law is perfect. It converts the soul. If I pay attention to, to the law, then good things are going to happen, happen for me. In Psalms 119, verses uh, 40, 47 and 40, it says, For I delight in your commands because I love them. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. You see, it wasn't just the idea that he was reading them and saying, yeah, they're over there and I see them. But David would focus on on his decrees, on the laws, and he would build his life around them. The third thing is that David was truly thankful. David was a thankful person. He was the type of person that I would like to hang around if I wasn't one of his generals. Uh, <laughs> sorry um, uh, he, he was thankful he, 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 was, he was thankful all the time and he knew the importance of expressing that to God God I'm thankful for this I'm thankful for that God you did this thank you God thank you God thank you and the importance of us having that life that is built on, on, on thankfulness and realizing that I only have one way to get in the presence of God, and that's by, by, by thankfulness, by rejoicing in Him and who He is. And as followers of Christ, we will, do, we, 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 we will always do well when we are offering that, that, that praise of thanksgiving, even in difficult times. God, I don't see the end. You know, that with Janice and I had a miracle in, in our life. And, and, I mean, it's just the idea that, you know, we, we saw it. And it was not possible for this to, to, to happen. It was impossible. It could not happen. We cried out to the Lord. But God, who is faithful, made a way. And God did the impossible and made it happen. And out of that, we must be thankful. And out of that, we get to be thankful. We get to look at God. Wow, God. It was impossible. And that's the reason that we can walk around and So, you know, thy loving kindness. Great is thy faithfulness. Loving compassions. It's it's new every morning. And this is who David was. And the fourth thing is that David was truly repentant. Yes, he, he, he was a sinner. 
He was a sinner. He, he committed sin. He committed several sins. But you know, when it came time to do business with God, he did. Yeah, he tried to cover it up. But when God sent the messenger to say, David, and he uses, a, a, he has Nathan tell, tell David a parable. David, this happened, and there was a guy that, that killed this one guy's with sheep, and David flies off the handle. Guy had a lot of sheep, had a lot of sheep, but he, he kills this one, this one guy's only, only lamb. David flies off the handle and says, that man deserves death. And Nathan says, David, you're the one. You're the one. You killed Bathsheba's husband because you'd committed adultery with Bathsheba. He was so faithful to you that, that when you called him in from the battlefield, instead of going to the comforts of his own home, he slept outside. And he said, how, how can I dishonor my king? When David did business with it, there was a genuine cry from David. It wasn't a phony, oh shucks, I got caught, I better, I better, act, I better act repentant here. It was a, a genuine, honest, oh God, against you and you alone have I sinned. God, would you, would you cleanse me? Would you purify me? Make, 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 me, make me white as snow. Wash me with his lip. Cause me to be clean. God, before you. Because I can't stand separation from, from you. God heard his honest, sincere cry of repentance. And God forgave him. And God honored him. And there, unfortunately, there was some consequences to David's sin that never went away. And Nathan said, David, because you've done this, the sword will never leave your family. And there was consequences that had to be paid of, of one, one child raping his sister. Another one of the brothers killing the brother that, 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 that raped his sister and murder in the sight of his, of his own family. But David demonstrated a, a faithfulness towards God. So when we come together on Sunday mornings and we are singing songs about God being faithful, about God being on our side, and about God being a rock, oh, whatever you do, folks, whatever you do, don't let those just come rote memory songs where you're just singing it. Let yourself be carried away in those words. Let those words come from deep inside that they go, God is faithful. God will always be there for me. That God will never fail me. I don't understand why it's hard and tough right now. I know it's hard and it's tough. But more than all of that, I know God and God is faithful and he's not going to let me down. At the end of the day, at the end of the trial, at the end of the test, God is going to be there for me and good things are going to come out of it. And as a matter of fact, everything is going to be okay. Now, when David, in, the, in the, just a, a summary of, 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 um, of 2 Samuel, when David becomes king after Saul dies, David is king over not the whole nation of Israel. He is just king over Judah. We're going to put this map up here. I'm going to move some stuff around for a second. 
But David becomes king over Judah. And Judah is just the lower uh, tribe of the promise of God when, when, when there is a, uh, uh, when God's dividing the tribes up into their, into their blessings. But Judah is, is down in the lower part. And so there was just Judah and the other 11 tribes. And they were, they were considered Israel. And so when David becomes king, he is just king over Judah. For seven years, he is king just over the, the southern part. And then over a period of time, we won't get into the stories today, you can read it at home. But over a period of time, David unites uh, all of Israel and he is king over the entire nation of, of, of Israel. Not just Judah, but all of, all of Israel. Sometimes if you ever hear Pastor Josh talking about doing a, a, a dig with Harvard University um, in Israel, he was here at Ashkelon. Uh, it's, it's a Philistine town. Um, it's the place where, where um, Samson and Delilah were, were hanging out. Uh, and so we go there and we, we see everybody running around with AK-47s and, and this is you know, in the Gaza Strip right here. And we're going, what have, what have we let our son do? Uh, we had to get used to it because that was the least of the uh, risky things that he was going to do. Uh, but anyway, um, David is king over the entire, uh, the entire nation. He's un- he unifies after the Civil War. Uh, he was like Abraham Lincoln, unifying the, the nation together and making it one un, under God and, and serving God. And so we see David uh, in his leadership skills and capacities of causing people to also begin to, to serve and, and, and to follow him. Now, in um, the rest, the book kind of breaks down. We see uh, David being brought to the place where he's reigning over his kingdom. And there's a little bit of a comparison here between David and and you and I, that God placed David over the kingdom, over over the kingdom of Israel, and that God was going to be with him. And a, a lesson to learn from this is that as God is going to be with David, when David turns his heart over to God, and when he's facing difficulties, that God's going to be there with him. And for each one of us, when we step across that line of faith, God gives us a kingdom, and that kingdom is your own life. And you are to rule and to reign in the, the, the kingdom of your life. And there are, like David, there's going to be enemies on the outside that are going to begin to try and come in and to rob your kingdom from you. And there's also going to be even situations on the inside that are going to try and rob your kingdom from you. With David, it was, it was Absalom, his, his son, his very own son, who ultimately, he did run David out and became king for a little while himself, but God handled it. And, and uh, Absalom, to you know, read the story, Absalom is, is killed in battle um, by, by David's uh, general. But, and then David comes back and takes up his rightful place as king. And so there's, there's a parallel there when you read the story of David and his kingdom of God, I know that you're going to be with me through these same kinds of things, that this is a battle that I'm facing in my, in my own life. A little later on, we see David getting comfortable 
and he, he, gets, he gets very sloppy in his, in his relationship. And uh, yes, he commits his sin with Bathsheba. Later on at the end of his life, he, he does something that causes a, a, a big blight on the whole nation. And it's something that it doesn't go away. He, he, he numbers his troops. And I mean, well, what's so bad about that? The issue was he was putting his trust in himself and not in God. I have the ability to marshal a big army. I trust me. And, and, and God, again, sends a prophet to say, you got your choice. You can either face, you can face, you know, three years of, of, of running or three months of, of having your enemies come after you, or you can face three days of, of having God bring judgment on you. And David's response is, I'd rather face, I'd rather be in the hands of a merciful God than the hands of my enemies. I choose three days of God ravaging me and, and, and my nation. And after three days, David says, you know, I, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. Hundreds of thousands of people were dying across Israel because David made a bad choice. And sometimes in leadership, we can make bad choices and other people pay the consequences of it. It's the reason as we're coming up on an election, folks, we need to be praying that God will, sit, will put the right person in. God's will is not always done. That God will send the right person, and yes, I will. Be, I'm the first one to say, and what is there to choose from, <laughs> you know? And and I don't know, but what I do know is that is that we have to to make choices based on the values of 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 of, of, of that closest to, to to Christian choices. And as and you know, as for me, what I will just say is, I could never vote for anybody who who is pro-abortion. Life is precious to God, and I can never vote for anybody that, that, that is pro-abortion. Now, and, and so what else is there to I do anyway? Uh, but David says, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather serve, have, fall in the hands of God, of a merciful God, than of, of vengeful enemies. David says it's time to stop, and he, he goes out at the, the end of, 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 of uh, Samuel, uh, Second Samuel, he, he, he's facing this difficulty, and he says, I'd, I'd rather fall in the hands of, of God. He said, I'm going to build an altar. It's time for, the, it's time for this to cease. So he built, he's going to build an altar, and he needs to buy a, a plot of land to, to build this altar on. Some great stories of the symbolisms behind this, but... For time, I won't get into it because you would be here till next Mother's Day. It's this, this stuff is so rich. But um, he goes to buy this land, and the landowner says, I want to buy this land. And the landowner says, You're my king. No, I'm just going to give it to you. And David says, No, 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 no. Uh, uh, I will not give anything to my God that costs me nothing. I'm going to pay for this. There's a lesson there that, folks, that we can't give God what's left over. We can't re-gift something to God. We have to serve God and honor God with, with, with our best. Giving God our, our, our best. It's a reason that the first fruit, the, the tithe, is so important. 
is it's giving God that place. And it's that, that heart of David. So I'm not going to give God something that costs me nothing. I'm not going to give God the leftovers. I'm not going to give re-gift something to God. And so David does this, and, and, and the, uh, the, uh, the, the disease that's killing so many people ceases instantly. But I want to just, just to in, in, in closing off the message today, I want to look at one, one quick story. It's at the beginning of David's reign as, as king. And it's over in, in, in chapter 6. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about how the children of Israel got the Ark of the Covenant and were trying to use it as a magic weapon to defeat their enemies. Instead of defeating their enemies, um, they, uh, they lose the Ark, and the Philistines take the Ark away from them. God judges them. He, he embarrasses their God. Their God keeps falling over in the presence of the Ark. Um, and just to, to send judgment on all the people, God gives them all hemorrhoids. And, um, you know, it's just, I always take, that's a sign that God loves to teach the Bible in a relevant way to little junior high boys. Um, but, but God uh, allowed for the ark of the presence of God to be gone from the nation of Israel for a long time. And, and David says, it's time to get the ark back. I'm going to bring the ark back to Israel David did something again that as a leader, he, he knew better. He shouldn't have done this, but he did it anyway. He knew that the Levitical law said that you were to bring the Ark of the Covenant, carry the Ark of the Covenant on staves, on big poles, and that you're to have people carrying it. But David instead, I guess he figured he was in a good place with God and God is going to cut him some slack and, you know, he can get by with it. After all, God's a graceful God and he'll forgive me. And instead of putting the ark on staves and carrying it back the, the way that the law that David loved commanded, David built a cart and they put the ark of the covenant on a cart. And as they are coming and getting close to the, uh, the, the, the city of Jerusalem, bringing the ark back, uh, there's a geographic place uh, that, that the, where on, the road got, un, un, it got really rough and the ark starts to shake. And Uzzah, who one of the guys walking, walking beside the ark, uh, sees the ark about ready to fall off of the cart. And he just reaches up to push the, the ark back on. Who wouldn't do that? Who? I mean, it's just a natural response. Oh, I don't want to push it back. And, and instead of God saying, oh, thanks for saving me. Thank you. you know, God strikes Uzzah dead. You know, and, you know, who's, God, why would you do that? Because our God is a holy God, and you can't rewrite the laws of God. There are some of the things that in Christianity that we're facing that uh, they're they're, they're counterculture, they're culturally offensive, they are not politically correct, but we are not allowed to to rewrite the laws of God. And when we try and touch God in that way, we can expect that there's going to be consequences to be paid. And while da- you know, it was David's fault that Uzzah died. Da- Uzzah was, you know, he said, well, he had good intentions. He was just, you know what, folks? Good intentions, when it comes to serving God, good intentions are not good enough. Obedience is what God calls for. And so David, this happens, and David sees Uzzah laying there dead. God, I'm just trying to bring the ark back, and good grief, you're, you're killing my people. What's going on here? David got a little angry with God. 
and, and, and he said, just, just put the ark over here. There's this guy, he's a, he's a Levite, put it in Obed-Edom's house. And so they put the Ark of the Covenant in Obed-Edom's house, and it's, 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 just, it's just sitting there. He had a, the Bible says there was a, a specific place for it. And in Obed-Edom's house, it was there for three months. Message comes back to God, you, uh, back to David. You would not believe what is going on with Obed-Edom. Everything is going his way. The guy is prospering. God is with him. Folks, I'm going to tell you something, and you got to hang on to this, not from the, the, greed, the American point of greed, but when you got the presence of God with you, prosperity is going to come. Blessing is going to come. Obed-Edom had the presence of God with him. Everything was turning up roses for Obed-Edom. And David's going, ah, uh, me king, <laughs> uh, I want my ark back. And so this time David straightens up. He, he, he has them put the, 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 the ark, and he's going to bring it, what was his original plan, but now he's going to do it the right way. He's going to put the ark on the staves, and they're going to bring it into Jerusalem. The presence of God is coming back to Jerusalem. And the people, they're, they're, they're thrilled about it, because it's going to be good again. God is here. I'm going to play you a song in a couple of minutes, and... And some of the lyrics in the song goes, this old town, you know, it's not like it was before. When the presence of God comes back in your own personal life, that, that, that things are different, things are good, and things are right. And so they knew that God's coming back. We're getting God back in our town. And things are going to be right. Things are going to be good. As a matter of fact, they were. There was peace for a long, long, long time because God was back. God brings in peace to our lives. And the presence of God is there. A number of years ago, a long time ago, Richard Greer did a movie about King David. I, and it, you know, it's, I, he's not a man of God. I'm not even trying to imply that. But this movie, and this one particular scene that I'm going to show you, it is absolutely fantastic. Because it is that portrait of, of he, he, they've gone, and, and they're getting the ark back from Obed-Edom. And they're, they're bringing it up, to, up the holy hill, up to Mount Zion. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna put the ark back where it's supposed to, put the ark where it's supposed to be. David has prepared the tent in, in Psalms in chapter 24, David talks about ascending the hill of God with holy hands and, and, and being lowly in heart and being, doing it God's way. And in this, this movie that, that Greer uh, put together, there's this, this, this scene where they come to the gate and King David understands that you've got to enter the presence of God with thanksgiving and, and, and with joyfulness. And Greer, in his way, I, I saw him interviewed. I remember this a long time ago. How did you do that? Did, was that choreographed? He says, no, I just started dancing the way that I thought that it would be. And I got to be honest with you. I think he probably got it right. I see some of the, some of the people running around, you know, I, you know, in modern, you know, Christian dancing. You know, it looks like, you know, I'm not to be too critical, but, but, but it's just like, that's, you know. Now, number one, 
Larry doesn't dance. Uh, You know, if I tried to dance before the Lord, God would go, oh, come on, Larry. Okay. Um, But... But the music that went with this with this video, it just it just wasn't my kind of music. And I have a friend that wrote a song. I when I say friend, I'm not like we're real close, but I spent some time with him. He wrote a song, and uh, it's called "Dancing on the Heavenly Hill." And his his name is his name is Sleepy Ray Vaughn. He looks like Stevie. I'm not I'm not Sleepy Ray Vaughn. Sleepy Ray McDonald. He looks like Stevie Ray Vaughan. He sounds like Stevie Ray Vaughan. And this is my kind of music. Larry McGarity and I both, if, we, if either one of us could dance, we would dance. But Larry's worse dancing than I am. Uh, ask Kathy. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to, to look at this ascending the holy hill. You know, you know, and... Micah, David's wife, the, 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 from his wife, there was the, the daughter of Saul. She laughed at him. She mocked him. She said, oh, how silly you are of stripping down in front of the daughters of Jerusalem. How embarrassing. And, and oh, that's, that, you know, that was dumb for you to do that. And David says, I wasn't dancing for you. I wasn't dancing for the daughters of Jerusalem. I was dancing for the Lord. And it was that heart you know, I'll, I'll be a fool for God if that's what it takes. And so what I'm going to do is this morning, we're going to uh, take the offering during this, this, this video. I'm going to ask the ushers to come to the front. And as they're coming, go ahead, you know, you know start writing out those huge checks. Um, you know, do the push pay, uh, do all of that. Because I want you to be able to focus on this video. I had a glitch in the first service, and I, I think we got it fixed. Um, but um, uh, I want you to be able to, to focus on this. I want you to, uh, I guess I kind of want you to put yourself in, in, in David's shoes. You be King David for a little while here, okay? You, what would you do if... You were bringing back the presence of God to, to a group of people. But you knew you couldn't do it in pride. You knew that you had to humble yourself in front of everybody, even though you're king. You've got to humble yourself and say, but he's God. Because we're bringing God back to our town. We're bringing God back. Father, bless this offering. We want to honor you. We want to give you something that doesn't cost us anything. We love you, God. Blessed be your name, Lord. Amen.